Jackson on the drive, kicks it out for Mann. Mann, three-pointer, bang! Oh, what a man! Magic down the middle, just what I thought, a hook shot at 12, good! Here's Michael at the foul line, a shot on Elo, good! The Bulls win! They win! Now that's a steal by Murr, underneath the DJ, right there! Going up over Bell, Paul away! What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another post-game live here for the 2022-23 playoffs on Dime Dropper. Before we get started, please make sure to subscribe on YouTube. Hit the notification bell so you know every single time we go live for all NBA, NBA history, and LA sports content. And, of course, you can also listen to this podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, all your favorite podcasting platforms. Make sure to follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Dime Dropper Pod. As we are here live in Los Angeles after a game two loss for my Clippers against the Phoenix Suns here in this first round. We'll also be talking about the Cavs and the Knicks game two that took place in Cleveland tonight. And it was a similar situation. Cleveland and Phoenix both losing the first game at home, having to win both four or five matchups. Apologies to all my Celtics fans, especially my good folk out in the East Coast, my UMass people, my Minutemen, Minute Women. I will not be able to get to the Celtics game because there were three games tonight, so I didn't get to watch them all. I will be watching the Celtics game after this, and we'll talk about it on tomorrow's live after Lakers, Grizzlies, and Minnesota versus Denver. Probably will not be able to talk about Miami and Milwaukee much, but we'll see what I can do. And shout out to everybody in the live tonight. Super chats are turned on if you want to drop a dollar or a dime. Any donation helps. You already know what to do. But let's get right into it. The Clippers losing this one to the Phoenix Suns in a game in which I think the Suns, it took them a while because they were really sloppy in the beginning of the game, turning the ball over. And it took them a while, but in the second half, you started to see why this Phoenix Suns team is being picked by so many people to go so far in terms of their shot making. Devin Booker and Kevin Durant, sometimes they just make shots that other guys don't usually make. They make tough shots. You know, it was kind of there. The Clippers were playing pretty well. They were doing enough. They came out with the right defensive intensity, I thought, to stay in the game. Kawhi Leonard was really good. Russell Westbrook was really good. But ultimately, I think that the Clipper role players did not show up tonight. And I'm not going to lie, before the series, I didn't think I would be saying much that Kawhi Leonard and Russ would play great and the Clippers would still lose because all their role players, the role players didn't play well. But I got a stat for you. The role players... Out, you know, basically every single player outside of Kawhi and Russell Westbrook combined shot 15 for 44 from the field. 15 for 44. That is no good. <laughs> I don't got the exact percentage off the top of my head, but that is no good. So we are going to need much better, especially in a game in which the Suns st starters all played fantastic. I mean, that's 35%. So. In a game in which the Suns starters all played fantastic, you know, I don't think there's that much you can do when your role players don't play that well. Now, I know there's going to be a lot of people talking about Ty Lue. He took a lot of heat on Twitter tonight. The, the Hive, you know, I don't want to say the Hive because I've been part of the very critical people about Ty Lue this season, but I don't really think that that applies in this game for this reason. He stayed with what worked in game one, and that was to play a nine-man rotation with Bones, Mason, Terrence and Norm coming off the bench. 
He was staggering Russ and Kawhi, which meant that at some point he had Russ, Bones, Norm, and Terrence in. Now I know what you're thinking. Terrence at the four, three guards. Didn't you say you shouldn't have Bones, Norm, and Russ in at the same time before the series? You said that, didn't you, Dime? Didn't you, Darian? You said that? I did say that. But I also said that Russell Westbrook should come back in the game or shouldn't come back in the game in the fourth quarter of game one. And guess what Ty Lue did? He put him back in. He had that trust in him, and it paid off. So Ty Lue was 1-0. I gave him the benefit of the doubt. And I personally don't think that that's the biggest reason we got crushed. What everybody's referring to is the four guards. or I don't count Terrence Mann as a guard. I count him as a wing because we use him as that, and he plays like a wing, a slasher, athletic guy that guards number one options kind of thing. So I don't really consider him a shooting guard. If I had to pick his position, it would probably be small forward. But anyway, he can play anything between one through three. Now, when you get to him playing the four, then that's a little bit much. You don't want him to be your second tallest guy. But that being said, the Suns, you know, Besides Aiden or Biombo, they weren't really running with any big, big wings until the second half, where what really hurt the Clippers was they weren't messing around the Suns. They played Devin Booker 45 minutes, and they played Kevin Durant 44 minutes. So the minutes that those two have logged in these first two games are a lot. We'll take that personally. I think, you know, they're in pretty good shape. They probably won't get, like, super worn down or anything. But in terms of fatigue factor, I think that they're probably in the worst spot than we are. You know, for them to play that many minutes just to win a game two, I think mission accomplished tonight, man. I really, and you know, you might think, oh, look at this fucking loser, man. You know, doesn't think that, thinks a loss is okay. It's not that a loss is okay. It's that I didn't expect us to steal two games without Paul George against a team with Kevin Durant, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and DeAndre Ayton on it. Sue me. You know, we're not picked to win this series. I want everybody to keep perspective. A lot of people are freaking way, way, like freaking out way too much. Guys, I know that's ironic coming from me, the rager, the spammer, (laughs) the rager. Hey, Mr. Rager. <laughs> That's all I can fucking think of right there. But look, I'm smiling because we got what we came for. We got what we came for. All, all I said was, don't do what the Knicks did tonight. Sorry to my Knicks fans. Show up and make them work. We had Kevin Durant and Devin Booker playing 30 plus minutes. I'm sorry, 40 plus minutes. Could we have done some things differently? Yes, but I just don't think this was the one. D-Book and Kevin Durant were hitting everything in the second half. You know, Kawhi can't guard every single one of them. They were killing the drop coverage. Now, that goes back to Ty Lue. Let's start with the four guards thing. As I said, it worked in game one. The problem was that first little two-and-a-half-minute stretch in the fourth quarter, um, Kevin Durant and Devin Booker were still in, and we had Kawhi out, and they went up by 11. Chris Paul started getting hot. He started getting his, getting to his right, and again, you've seen it in this series. It's I think Chris Paul's only made two shots going to his left in the first two games, and they were both full stop, basically open. Everything else, the contested ones, they're all going to his right. You know, so we've read the scouting report. We've done a pretty good job thus far with him, but he had a really good second half. He really did, but Devin Booker was just, you can argue he was the best player on the floor in this game. But I still think Kawhi Leonard has been the best player on the floor through two two games. I think on both ends, I think you get to realize the weight that he's carrying and how many good shots he's creating. You know, I think he was let down by his teammates tonight. I truly do. And Russell Westbrook came to play. I also think Terrence Mann was pretty good. And honestly, if I had to say anything about Ty Lue, it's, it's that same thing. He didn't play Terrence Mann enough. You know, 26 minutes, he was 3 for 3, made both his threes tonight, 10 points. He was playing really good defense on Chris Paul, especially in the second quarter. You know, I think he deserved more minutes. So I think he stuck with Eric Gordon too long in a game in which it was the bad Eric Gordon defensively tonight. He just didn't sit in a stance at all. He didn't really fight through screens. There were times where he just kind of gave up on the play, and that hurt us. And offensively, he wasn't good. He was good for th- from 3, though, 4 for 9. 
but some of them were not only just wide open that he should have made. Inside the arc, he was no good, and he ended up shooting 33% from the field overall, 40 um, 33% on 4 for 12 shooting. So we're going to need better from EJ. I also think Norman Powell, you know, I talked about him before the series, averaging 18 to 20 points efficiently, and I thought that's what we were going to need to win the series. The first one was Kawhi playing like the best player in the series. He's done that the first two games. He's done his part. Norman And Russell Westbrook has done his part for me. He's had a really solid first two games. Norman Powell, though, needs to be better. Because here's the thing about the Suns. Their bench is nothing. You know, I was right that they were going to put in TJ Warren in this game. And I was right in the episode I did with Locked On Clippers yesterday that they were going to run KD off way more off-ball actions to free him up. And they were going to try to get him the ball on the move and already, you know, 18 feet and in. So he doesn't have to work too hard. Doesn't have to catch the ball behind the three-point line so much. And Monty did that. You know, a big thing is, guys, Monty adjusted. The onus was on the Suns. So you guys are getting way too mad, I think. Now, so the, for the four guards thing, look, yeah, you're going to be at a disadvantage when you're playing four of your bench players against those guys. And, yeah, Bones Highland, Norman Powell, and Russell Westbrook, they're not the best defenders in the world. But Russell Westbrook's done a hell of a job on Kevin Durant so far through two games. He really has done a hell of a job. Man, my computer is way too hot right now because I can see the lag. My goodness, it is bad, huh? Let me know if it's lagging right now in the chat because... My computer is lagging aggressively. I know the sound isn't lagging. My sound is fine. But the computer is lagging aggressively. So if you guys want me to like stop it and then come back for a second, let it cool down, we could. But I think it's looking a little bit better now. So let's keep on going. Let me know, though, in the chat if it's lagging or not. When I go to the stats, sometimes it can kind of lag. My computer is really hot. If anybody has any tips on how to let my computer cool down a little bit, because I just took so much stuff away. For, like I deleted a bunch of stuff off of it, then let me know because, oof, it's steaming. But let's continue, right? So overall to me, then there's another, you know, quarrel that people have. Why is Zubats continuously in drop coverage when KD and Devin Booker keep making these shots? Look, I think we actually did, besides Eric Gordon, a good job with the rear view contests. For whatever reason, though, Russell Westbrook, when he's guarding Chris Paul, he was just giving up on the screens. Whereas against Kevin Durant, he's playing like his life depends on it. And against Booker, he was a little bit better too. But I don't remember him guarding Booker too much, at least not in the action or getting put in the action when he was. But the Suns, you know, another big thing about them is Torrey Craig has been absolutely ridiculous so far in the series. I mean, this fool's shooting like Rashard Lewis on the Magic right now. And honestly, look, he, obviously Kawhi Leonard is, is getting off on him, but I still think he's trying his best and not making it super easy for him. You saw a lot more loading up from the Suns tonight, not fully committing to the double team. And the Clippers... You know, they didn't knock down shots. I thought Kawhi made the right decisions, made the right plays, moved the ball well enough, and that he would even go away from the double team, or the, I'm sorry, away from the load up to get a shot off, and he did a decent job of that. That's why he still scored 31 points. But, you know, when the, when Torrey Craig is making everything, that forced us to adjust with Zoo going back on Aiton. And Aiton, you know, was also making those push shots, those floaters, those mid-ranges, especially in the second quarter when we went to a zone. So he was hitting mid-range after mid-range there. However, at that point, we were pretty comfortable still. It was just that in the fourth quarter, basically every one of them started getting off. And it was, it was a little too little too late. You know, we cut it down to eight, and then Russ had two bad turnovers at the end. I'm not going to lie. Bad turnovers, good hands by Chris Paul. His defense was good at the end. Felt like he was starting to get more engaged as he was making late. And I know it's, it's a weird feeling getting, you know, seeing Chris Paul kind of take over late in the game because we saw that for so many years here in L.A. And 
as I said, I still love the guy, but I want to beat him so bad. I want to beat him so bad. I want to beat this team so bad. And overall, guys, I'm not that impressed with them. Like, I get it. There was a feeling of helplessness with KD and Devin Booker tonight, but they had to play so well to win. And we were still in the game. We were still right there. And I don't think we even played well. And we're on the road. So, I don't know. I think that I would be more encouraged after these two games that we could win this series. More. I'm not saying we will. Of course, I picked us to win in seven because I'm a Clipper fan, so I'm going to go with my squad. If I was not a Clipper fan, I would still be picking, you know, whatever my original pick was if it was the Suns to win. But they're not that great, man. It's just that we don't have Paul George. So, like, one thing that was hurting us was Ty eventually did go small, you know, he, he didn't want because the thing about the drop coverage is that is what Zoo has excelled in all season. Everyone's saying why didn't he adjust and all that. If he's gonna adjust Zoo's defensive coverage, he will do that in the next game. He will do that in the next game because he thought that the looks that they were getting were still well contested enough. And I'm not gonna lie, a lot of them were. Devin Booker is just that good. A lot of Clipper fans hate Devin Booker, and I get it. He complains a lot and all this. He's kind of soft, but. This guy is one of the best shot makers in the league, one of the best scorers in the league today, and you need to show him respect in terms of what you expect from him and the shots that he's going to make. It's not just bad defense. He's going to make ridiculous shots. We had guys in his rear view, and he was hitting shots like falling away, three balls, but also his life gets made easier now with Kevin Durant. And when we went to, you know, Ty did go switch everything. He did go switch everything, EJ, Russ, Kawhi, but we still had too many, you know, smaller defenders out there, and they were trying to put Eric Gordon, uh, uh, KD against Eric Gordon, and various matchups like that, and Norman Powell as well, and you saw them doubling, us doubling, they moved the ball around, Chris Paul was doing a good job attacking, a, well, I wouldn't say he was doing a great job attacking the closeout, but he was knocking down shots, he was making plays, Torrey Craig was making everything, and then Devin Booker, him attacking the closeout, he can stop and pop for that mid-range, and it's tough. While we don't have another star attacking closeouts when the ball is moving and the defense is in rotation after doubling our other star. So that's the advantage that the Suns have, and Clipper fans need to just come to terms with that, but we can still do things better as well. And one big criticism is that Robert Covington doesn't play when you want to go fully small. And that's something I think Tyloo needs to lean into going for game three. Bones Highland, you know, I think that he has not been abused defensively. They tried to do it at the end of the third quarter, and again, he held his own. But he's going to need to make shots. And if he's not going to make shots, you know, in this game, for example, he was 2 for 7 and 0 for 4 from 3. Just 14 minutes of play, though, for Bones. And he was still a plus based on the plus minus when he came in the game. But if he's not going to be really good offensively, then there's an argument to be made for Roko to play over him. You know, if you want to just throw Roko in there and play 10 guys, I don't know about that because I would not play a total bench lineup against KD, Booker, or any combination of their starters in. That's just too risky, you know? And in this game, by the way, we got nothing from our centers. This was one of those games that the people that hate Zoo, this is where they get justified. He was weaker. He was slower. He just didn't seem like he was that engaged Zoo. He seemed like he was taken out of the game mentally. He was soft. He was losing the ball. He was bringing it down low. Got stripped by Chris Paul. I mean, this just wasn't the Vita Zubots that we've seen the majority of games this season. It was the soft Zoo. And Mason Plumley was just kind of doing cardio out there. It was nothing like the game one Plumley. They didn't really get rebounds. They didn't really deter anybody. It just wasn't a very good performance from the guys. And the Suns starters were fantastic. Just, just for reference, the Phoenix Suns starters combined for... 
my God. 110 points. They literally only got 13 points off the bench. Josh Okoge and Bismack Biombo. 120 points from their starters, ladies and gentlemen. So if you think they're going to be able to do that every game, I mean, I don't know. They're going to probably get some more points from the bench, but that many points from the bench, it seems still like a tall task. As far as the Clippers... You know, let's go through the sequence of the game. I, I thought that we came out the right way. You know, I've been talking about our starts and our defensive intensity to begin games, and I did really well with that. You know, this time, though, EJ was on book, but Batum was on Chris Paul to start the game. I thought that was an interesting adjustment. Honestly, didn't like it. Would definitely go back to Batum guarding KD or something. Actually, no, no, no. Batum on book and then slide EJ onto Chris. But I actually, now that I think about it, I know why they did that because... Chris Paul's going to be involved in more pick-and-roll actions, and I think Nico's a better screen navigator, so that may be what they're thinking there. But at the same time, you know, fuck Chris Paul's looks. Like, Devin Booker is just more of a problem, so maybe in Game 1, I'm sorry, in Game 3, we start out with Nico guarding Devin Booker more as the primary defender, and then Russ on KD. I'm fine with the Russ on KD. Like, yeah, he scored like two or three times today one-on-one, turning the corner and going quick. And as I said, that was going to be a big point of emphasis for Monty to get KD the ball, get into his spots, get get him the ball closer to the basket where he can work quickly. And, you know, at times later in the game, we kind of started loading up, and that's where I think KD struggles more than some other superstars. And when I mean other superstars, I mean other goats, like like Jordan, Kobe, LeBron, those kind of guys. I think he can wait too long and just be a little indecisive. But when he gets the hard double, I think he makes the easier, quicker read. And so he was doing that, and they were getting good shots. I think Kawhi was doing a good job of showing how to destroy loading up when, as a mid-range sniper. You just work quickly and go away from it. And I've seen KD do that as well, but sometimes he can just be a little too, you know, passive against the load up in my opinion but when he's got teammates like that it's easy to just kind of just make the pass and hope for them to make a play as far as the beginning russ i thought still did a really good job on kd he blocked him from behind early and he was just still doing a really good job defensively of you know getting back in the play when he was getting over screens and finding a way to affect it whether it be from the back tap or the block from behind and unforced turnovers by the Suns were really keeping us in it because even though Kawhi was seeing the load up and making the right pass and both teams were guarding well, we weren't making our open threes. EJ did, again, start out the game hitting a couple threes, but one thing that really stuck out to me in the first quarter was Kawhi started guarding Kevin Durant at the end of the first, and KD looked like he saw a ghost. He tried to cross over, and Katie just uh, Kawhi just snatched that shit. KD was riding his hip on the way back, and Kawhi just stiff-armed him and dunked. And then he was, you know, putting pressure on him, getting over screens, getting chest-to-chest. And KD was looking to give up the ball real quick. Like, I, he didn't want none of that smoke. Oh, my God. Kawhi Leonard is showing that he is that dude up here, the alpha male, mentality-wise. Hey, man, I'm going to just say this. It's a big if. It's an if. But if we win this series... I'm taking two over 35 all time. Yes, I said it. Even with the lack of availability. I said it. If he wins. Right now, he's looking like the best player in the series. Because people want to say all this like, 
again, I always say this. It's, oh, he's got no flaws. He's, he can shoot them all over the court. You've seen him do everything, but it's not about that. It's how much you get out of your skill set and the confidence, the mentality. People that never played sports, though, think that confidence and mentality is not actually talk ball, bro. Actually talk ball. That's not proof. You can't prove that. Man, basketball is not very black and white, my friend. And, you know, these are played by human beings, not robots. I always want to emphasize that. And Kawhi Leonard is stone cold. He has a lot of confidence. And that's why he is who he is, besides the amazing skill and shot making. But anyways, the end of the first quarter, the Clippers, again, off to a solid start. They led it 29-24. to And the second quarter, you know, we go to our bench, and they did great. I thought this, you know outplayed the Suns bench. Norm got a couple of buckets. Obviously, we staggered Russ. But KD, you know, he doesn't spend that time, that much time on the bench. He came in just a little over two minutes into the second quarter. And, you know, he was hitting shots, starting to get going. CP3, as far as him in the first half, he was funneled to his left and really got nothing because Terrence was locking him up. But we went to a zone because we went to that, you know, the three-guard set and obviously Mason Plumley. So, and the zone wasn't working. Aiton was knocking down shots in the, in the high post. I don't know about that zone. I think we're doing that zone because we have three guys, two of which aren't really great at guarding, Norman Powell and Bones Highland. However, Norman Powell's defense in the first two games, in my opinion, has been pretty decent. It's been good enough for him. Mason Plumlee, however, isn't a good root protector or a pick-and-roll big, and I think they're doing that to not make him play pick-and-roll defense. However, Aiden is a great mid-range player, so it's going to hurt anyway. The Clips took a 14-point lead at one point. And the bench mob was doing really well. Russ was fantastic. You know, he was scoring on Devin Booker a lot in the first half, whether it be turning the corner on him, facing up on the, with a quick cross, or backing down, you know, shooting a one-legged fade. It was one time when he went right into his chest and scored. But KD and Devin Booker ended the second quarter well, which is some great shot making. And they went to the break. I think we went to the break tied, 59-59. And the third quarter for the second straight game was the ones where the Suns turned up the intensity. Big time on the defensive end. You started to see an adjustment. DeAndre Ayton wasn't dropping anymore. And I thought DeAndre Ayton in the, on the defensive end in the first half, and honestly in the first six quarters of this series, non-existent. No rim protection. The rotations were weak. Just not very engaged. Playing with no dog, no fire. But in the second half, he was hedging the screens, coming up, showing, and recovering. And I thought that it was a better look for Phoenix. You know, especially with KD, Devin Booker, Aiton, and Craig out there. They have a lot of length. Chris Paul, you know, he's a smaller guard, but he has really good hands. And I thought Aiton was playing pretty well. But then he got two fouls in the same possession. Had to come out of the game with four fouls. And in that stretch, Zoo was playing so soft. Complaining for fouls, losing the ball. And he started playing a little bit better when Biombo came in. But the, the Suns, I mean, Devin Booker was just going nuts in that third quarter. 18 points, killing our drop coverage. But the thing is, on the drop, Zoo was in a shallow drop at times. He didn't even drop so deep. And he was shooting threes with his seven-footer's hand in his face. Like, come on, we need to give some credit to the shot-making, too. Devin Booker, it was just amazing both ways, you know, I thought Terrence Mann, Nico, these guys, Kawhi even, still did a decent job of the rearview contest, but some of the shots were just great. Just just great. And when Aiden's hitting those push shots, that makes it harder because you don't want to just fully throw two at him because if you do, they'll hit him with that pocket pass or in that short roll situation, he's going to hit the mid-range. I thought EJ made a couple of big threes in the third quarter to just kind of keep us in it so that they wouldn't just pull away. Um, Nicholas Batum, though, struggling on Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant started hitting shots, making tough ones. Again, going both ways, getting over screens, and even one-on-one, -on -one, uh, stopping on a dime and pulling. 
And Nicholas Batum, you know, God bless him. I don't mind his defense. I think his defense is still pretty good overall. Like, yeah, he's not going to do a great job one-on-one -on -one against KD, but who is? Other than that, though, his help defense, his rotations, his running, off, running guys off the line, his contests, they're all great. But he needs to be able to make shots. We've had two terrible three-point shooting games from Nico. He has been really up and down this season as far as three balls. So this does not surprise me, but up. And down. So we've gotten the down. We need the up. And role players tend to shoot better at home. I expect Nico to, at, at the very least, we need him to shoot well in both games. But at the very least, one of them, he's going to have one of those, you know, three for four from three games. But I just didn't think we were, our role players were making enough threes. And everybody on the Suns was starting to hit shots. You know, Torrey Craig was not missing. We're trying to funnel this ball into other guys. They're not missing. And I think our defensive game plan, otherwise, especially like starters versus starters, is pretty good. At the end of the third quarter, they tried to put Bones in the pick and roll, and I thought Bones held his own. There was one time where he even got a block and threw the ball off a of Booker, a la Russell Westbrook. But the Suns, they were the victors in the third quarter. They outscored the Clips 33-28. to So they went into the fourth with a five-point lead, which, again, going into the fourth with a five-point deficit, I'll take that, you know, especially when we're up one nothing. And that's when, you know, they kind of made their run. Chris Paul started with two buckets, um, getting to his right in that pick and roll. Mason Plumley again, not really doing much, but just some good shots from CP. They went up 98 to 87. We called timeout. We went small. So put Kawhi in there with, I believe, Norman Powell, Russell Westbrook. But in my opinion, we didn't leave Terrence Mann out there long enough. I think that's one of my big criticisms in this game. If I was going to criticize anything about Ty Lue, I don't think we played Terrence Mann long enough, especially in a game where he was 4-4 four for four from the field. But yeah, I want to see, I want to see the small lineup that we brought in. So it was one oh, it was ninety eight to eighty seven. Kawhi came in for Plumlee, so we had Kawhi, Terrence, Russ, Bones, and Eric in. So again, that's still three guards, four if you count Terrence Mann. That's still not really it, you know. You really got to get either Nico out there or Rocco out there if you want to kind of try that look. It just forced too many, you know. If you have Bones Highland against Kevin Durant or Devin Booker, like you're gonna double. But, I'm sorry, not Bones Highland. It was only Bones Highland for just a second. Then Eric Gordon came in for him. But, I mean, Eric Gordon, Kawhi, it just, Eric Gordon, Kawhi, Russ, it just, it wasn't it. You know, you got to go bigger. We did. We put Zubats back in the game with 652 left. But we took Terrence Mann out instead of Eric Gordon. And I think that was a mistake. So, you look, we still had a chance. We cut it down to 6, 115 to 109. And CP and DeAndre Ayton had successive buckets. And obviously one of them was on a Chris Paul, or I'm sorry, Russ turnover. And the next turnover he had, CP3 made a, that step back. So we were down by 12 and that was basically it. So in conclusion, you know, the role players need to step up. I think Ty Lue, so there's the adjustment, right? Do we want Zoo to hedge the screens? Because then he could have the corner turned on him and he hasn't hedged ball screens all year. He's a drop big and he's good at it. But these are fantastic mid-range players. So if Zoo's going to come hedge the screens, that's going to put us in four-on-three situations defending. And Torrey Craig has been making threes. And one of those players that's going to be open is going to be either KD or Book if they're not handling the ball. So that's going to be tough. And by the way, as the game went on, Kawhi was guarding KD a lot less. And they were trying to switch him off, and they were successful in doing so. So credit Monty Williams and the Suns. They made their adjustments. Now we got to make ours. Do we play Robert Covington as well? 
if we're going to go small like that, and we should consider it, you know, if Mason is going to give us nothing, we got to we, we should consider going small with Rocco. I love the idea of going Rocco, Kawhi, Terrence, Nico, and Russ. We can do that. Or instead of Nico, maybe Norm. Russ, Norm, Terrence, Kawhi, and Rocco. Maybe we can try that. But if Nico starts making threes, it would be great to have him out there because his defense is still good. His defense is still good. So we'll see. We need everybody to step up individually, though, as far as the role players. That's the biggest thing. But let me read the stat lines for this game. Um, for the Phoenix Suns first, off the bench, there's not really much to say. They only had 13 points. Bismack Biyombo had six of them, five rebounds on three for five shooting in 15 minutes. Josh Okogie, I said we'd get more of him, but we didn't really. But he did play better. Seven points, three rebounds, and two assists, and also zero turnovers. Uh, two for four shooting and one for two from three. The Clippers, by the way, turned the ball over 15 times. The Suns, 11, so they did a better job taking care of the ball. Probably a couple turnovers less could have helped the Clips there. Landry Shamit came in for 14 minutes and again was Landry Sham. Did nothing. A donut. As for the starters, as I said, 110 points combined between the five. Torrey Craig, 17 points. Two steals. On 6-for-9 shooting and 5-for-8 from 3 in 32 minutes. He is playing amazing right now. He's never played basketball this well, and I am convinced of that at the NBA level. DeAndre Ayton, 14 points and 13 boards. A solid game for him. Easy double-double. 7-for-10 from the field, 70%. So again, I always think that they should get Ayton more involved, but they don't really like doing that, and it's going to be even harder with these three other guys. Chris Paul, a really good second half for him. 16 points, 4 rebounds, 8 assists, and then CPT, CP3 fashion, taking care of the ball, only 1 turnover. 8 for 14 from the field and 0 for 1 from deep. And the one he shot, I was happy with the defense on that one. We helped off KD and let Chris Paul shoot a catch and shoot 3 because we didn't want KD just pulling for the mid-range over someone and forced a miss. As far as Booker and Durant, KD with 25 points, 6 rebounds, and 5 assists to go along with a steal and 2 blocks. But he also turned the ball over 5 times. So of the 11 Suns turnovers, 5 came from Easy Money Sniper. So we'll take that. But he was 10 for 19 from the field. 0 for 4 from 3. Two wide open 3s missed in the 4th quarter for KD, which were very uncharacteristic. But he also played 44 minutes. So I'll take that. You know, he played well. He did what he took to win. But he played a lot of minutes, so I'll take that as a Clipper fan. Devin Booker was the Suns' best player and probably the player of the game overall tonight. 38 points and 9 assists on 14 for 22 shooting, 4 for 7 from deep, and 6 for 6 on the line. The Suns were 13 for 14 from the foul line. And that's not even that many free throws. Part of it's because they don't get to the basket at all. It's all mid-ranges, really. As for the Clippers, we actually were 28 for 31 from the line. So a really good foul shooting night. Zubats missed two of the free throws, four for six for him. Russ, eight for eight from the line. So we'll take that all day long. Man, it feels like, I think I feel like my stream is completely lagging right now. It's looking so slow because my computer is burning up. But I know that the sound still sounds good. So Spotify and Apple Podcast people, I apologize for saying that stuff so much. But... Devin Booker, yeah, 38 points, 9 assists on 14 for 22 shooting, 4 for 7 from 3, and 6 for 6 on the line. This was, by the way, also Scott Foster. The streak ended. The Chris Paul, Scott Foster refing streak. Um, He was what? I believe it's 27-2 that 
or sorry, two and twenty-seven with Scott Foster refing in the playoffs in Chris Paul's career. The only two wins were one against Dallas in two thousand eight, and then two twenty thirteen our game against Memphis game one, where we beat them pretty handedly. So he broke that streak on in this one. But let's see. As for the Clippers. Bones Highland was the least played bench player. He played 14 minutes. He had six points on two for seven shooting and 0 for four from deep. He was plus two. I like his defense so far, but he needs to make shots, especially the three ball because he's getting open looks. Mason Plumlee played 14 minutes, had two points and two boards, a zero for zero from the field and a turnover. Nothing there. Terrence Mann played, actually no, Nico Batum played 19 minutes, he was 0 for 4 with a donut, need more from Nico, all four threes missed, needs to be better, Terrence Mann, 26 minutes, 10 points, 2 rebounds, 3 for 3 from the field, absolutely needs to play more than that, especially when he's shooting well, and the defense that he was playing on Chris Paul, and considering Chris Paul went off a little bit at the end, so that's no good, need to adjust there, playoff Terrence Mann, come on Ty, how about Norman Powell? I said 18 to 20 points we need from him. Hasn't been there. 12 points, 4 boards, 2 assists, and 2 steals on 4 for 11 shooting and 0 for 3 from deep. He was also 4 for 4 from the line. The one thing with Norm, his 3 ball has really lagged behind since he's come back. Even in those 3 games before the season ended that he was playing really well, he has not hit the 3. He's shot like 37% this year from there. He needs to hit that. He needs to. I mean, because that's what he does. He hits 3s. How about the other starters? If it's a Zubats, thought he was poor. Nothing like game one. 8.6 rebounds, two steals, three turnovers on two for seven from the field, four for six on the line in 29 minutes. EJ, no good. 12 points on four for 12 on the field, four for nine from deep, though, so he shot well from three. And then Russ, 28 points, five rebounds, five assists, two blocks, three turnovers. Both of them were pretty crucial. But 9 for 16 from the field, very efficient. 2 for 3 from deep and 8 for 8 from the line. That's amazing. I'll take that all day from Russ. In 36 minutes, and then Kawhi, another really good game. Both ends on the floor. 31 points, 8 rebounds. Just seems to get to every loose ball with those hands. 7 assists, 3 steals, 3 turnovers though, so not great there. But 11 for 20 from the field, I'll take that 55% all day. 3 for 5 from deep, just everything seems to be going in. 6 for 7 from the line, but the Clippers overall lose it 123 to 109. The series is tied 1-1 going back to LA. Clipper Nation, we are going to need everything. Okay, I'm going to be in attendance. That is going to be the vlog. The playoff vlogs are back. We need it to be like 2015. You know, we're going to need to do everything we can to help get this team over the finish line. And, you know, they're going to need all the help they can get. They really are. We need to defend home court. Both of these games are must wins. Both. We need to get them both, go up 3-1, and then let make them squirm. Do I think that's going to happen? No, because we haven't been a good home team. So I think it's going to be a split. But let's just focus on one game at a time. Game three, we need to win, and we need everybody to be fucking loud. The Clippers shot 44% from the field overall, but 37% from three, which sounds good, but it just wasn't it. You know, 11 for 30, but it just wasn't it to me. The Suns shot 59% from the field, 42% from three, and 93% from the line. They were pretty amazing overall. But next, I am going to go to the Cavs and the Knicks. It was a really terrible game, honestly. Extremely one-sided. And I'm going to be talking about that in a second. Um, for the audio people, you're just going to hear it right now. But for the people listening on YouTube, I'm going to let my computer cool down a sec before I come back. 
So the Cavs and the Knicks, obviously a must-win game for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, this was just one of those games where the the seed that already got what they came for was content. You know, they were like, we got the split. They were completely outworked. The Cavs played with a level of desperation that the Suns didn't show until the second half. They showed it from second one. And the Knicks didn't match their intensity. They didn't match their uh, physicality. They didn't match their hustle. And the only time they actually did was like in the first quarter, Julius Randle made a shot. They were only down by three, 25-22. But after that, it was all Cleveland. And in the second quarter, the Cavs outscored the Knicks 34-17. to And they was led by Darius Garland. I got to give Donovan Mitchell credit. He let Darius Garland eat. He only had like four shot attempts in the first half or something along those lines. For a while, it was only three or four shot attempts. Darius Garland got in his bag. He was mixing dudes in the pick and roll. And R.J. Barrett, he was putting him on skates a little bit too. Darius Garland, you know, that's the Darius Garland we remember from last season. He's probably shown that a lot this season too. But it's obviously come at a bit of a sacrifice because of Donovan Mitchell. But you saw Donovan Mitchell sacrifice in this game. And it was awesome. And before they made that run, though, I got something to say about Evan Mobley. You know, his defense on Randall is amazing. You know, his shot contesting, his lateral movement, it's so great. Um, but when he gets the ball in those four-on-three situations, because you saw the Cavs, you know, when they put Randall in the pick and roll, he hedges those screens. So they get a lot of those four-on-three situations that Garland and Mitchell put Evan Mobley in. And Evan Mobley kind of gets caught in between. He doesn't know whether to lob it up to Jared Allen because Mitchell Robinson's so athletic or go up strong, and he's not been really going up strong. He's going up weak, and Robinson, you know, he had a stretch in that second quarter before the Knicks exploded where he was making defensive play after defensive play, block, a stop at the rim. I mean, he had four blocks in this game. And then when he came out of the game, you know, things kind of started to collapse. And Karis Levert in this game, they needed him to step up, and they got that from him. He was getting in his pick and roll, getting in the in-between game, knocking down shots, going one-on-one, knocking down the three ball, giving them what they needed. And also, the Cavaliers, you know, it was 13-11 to in favor of the Knicks in the offensive glass. But if you were watching the game, it didn't feel that way. It felt like Cleveland was dominating the boards. It felt like they were getting more impactful offensive rebounds. And they were just first to every loose ball. And Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland, they really were defending in this game. They were moving their feet. Darius Garland took a couple of charges. They were causing turnovers. You know, you had Donovan making hustle plays, diving on the floor. You got to love the energy of the Cavs. They knew the occasion. The crowd was great. And they cruised. And Darius Garland was just dominant. Like, you know, I talked about Evan Mobley. You know, he was not finishing around the basket, but... When they were putting Mitchell Robinson in drop coverage, Garland was doing a good job in the mid-range, you know, hitting his floater, hitting the midi. And then they started to put Jalen Brunson in the pick and roll. And they didn't want to switch Jalen Brunson onto Garland or Mitchell. And they started getting some good action out of that short roll. So it was just flowing on all cylinders. You know, obviously I think with Garland and Mitchell, it can be very take turnsy. You know, each of them take turns running pick and roll. But the fact that they can both spot up and shoot off of each other is a huge plus. And you saw that with tonight with Cleveland. I also thought, you know, Jared Allen was doing his thing. Evan Mobley was doing his thing. You know, what they're going to do is, I'm surprised they didn't, you know, I think what they're doing is they made a little adjustment. 
they were hedging the screens instead of dropping because Jalen Brunson is so great in that in-between game. They're just like, let's just get the ball out of his hands. And it was kind of messing with Jalen Brunson a bit. You know, kind of took him out of his rhythm. And Mitchell Robinson is extremely uncomfortable in those four-on-three situations. He doesn't know when to dribble. He's not confident shooting or going up with anything. So look for the Cavs to do that again at the Garden. Is keep hedging those screens with Brunson, getting the ball out of his hands. Because Robinson's not quick enough off the bounce in those short rolls. They can get back and recover with him. And then as far as, you know, putting Mobley in the pick and roll, I remember him dropping a little bit more. But, you know, the Cavs, they're going to fly around on defense all day long. And the Knicks are going to have to make their outside shots. And I think somebody that's, and in this game they didn't, you know, 7 for 29 from 3, 24%, whereas the Cavs shot 42% from 3, 14 for 33. So it was just a case of them rolling on all cylinders and the Knicks not really trying very hard, not really playing with that competitive fire. And when you do that, you give a team a lot of confidence. So don't be surprised if Cleveland wins game 3. You know, I got the Cavs in 7 in this series, and I think the Knicks totally gave them more confidence than they needed to. They didn't make them work for this win at all and the weirdest part is Julius Randle who by the way was awful in this game he was totally panicking a huge reason why they got outscored 34 to 17 in that second quarter and by the way the Cavs only outscored the Knicks by two in the third but there was no push from New York you know their defense was okay but they couldn't score and Cleveland's defense was just so sharp it was exactly showing why they were the number one defense but I also think the Knicks offense was putrid Julius Randle he needs to stop going one-on-one against Evan Mobley if he wants to go one-on-one against Evan Mobley, he needs to back him down. Not, you know, face up, do three jab steps and shoot a step back 18-footer. Like, you're not that guy, dude. And the more he thinks that, the more the Knicks are going to suffer. Because the ball in Jalen Brunson's hands is when the Knicks are best. And they need to honestly lean heavier into Brunson being super ball dominant. And I would honestly put Mobley in the pick and roll with Randall setting the screen and just counter with that. Put him in pick and pop actions a lot more in, uh, in New York. That would be my big adjustment. Now, granted... I wasn't really watching the game from a Knicks perspective. I was watching it from a Cavs perspective because they had to win. And I think Cleveland passed everything with flying colors. Thought they were awesome. Can't really complain in any facet, any category if you're a Cavs fan there. They did what they needed to do. But for the Knicks, you just didn't play well in any way. Julius Randle is just so reckless and forces things so much. I mean, he needs to be smarter. You saw him play great in game one. In this one, he was awful, and there were a couple times defensively where he just let guys get by him. Ole defense in the playoffs, and if you do that in New York, you're going to hear the Boo Birds. But the Cavs smacking the shit out of the Knicks, 107-90 to at the Q. And I'm not going to call it Rocket Mortgage. I'm going to call it the Q. Of course, the Cavs one of the best home teams in the league, 31-10. and over there so the fact that the Knicks got the split at the end of the day they are still in the upper hand going into game three they got what they came for I also think Knicks fans are overreacting shout out to my boy all ball all ball was stressing out he's like no man we got to get the W man we got to go up to nothing but I'll tell you all ball you got the W 1-1 going back to New York they got some of the best home crowd uh, home court advantage in the league it's going to be the first sold out Knicks playoff game since 2013 game five against the Pacers it is gonna be rocking in the garden so please don't lose hope and don't be too mad I would be a little mad though that they made it so easy but Jalen Brunson didn't have a good game I expect him to bounce back let's read the lines for the New York Knickerbockers they went nine deep also adjustment Deuce McBride he is their best guard defender besides Josh Hart to me he needs to play more because there was one possession at the end of the third quarter where he locked Garland up 
And then he just didn't see the floor much. Three minutes played for Deuce. He needs to play, in my opinion, which would force them to go 10 deep. And I'll tell you who needs his minutes cut. I'll get to it in a second. But Emmanuel quickly. Actually, let's go to Obi Toppin first. Obi Toppin played 15 minutes, 7 points, 3 for 8 from the field, 1 for 4 from deep. Nothing there, in my opinion. Um, Mitchell Robinson only played 21 minutes. I think, you know, we were talking about it uh, with some of my New York guys, and they were saying that his... What's the word? His defense? I'm not sorry. His stamina. His stamina is not the best. You know, he doesn't really play that many minutes, and it sucks because he really is an amazing rim protector, and he's a very good offensive rebounder. He needs to be able to try. He needs to be able to play more. You know, two points, five boards, four blocks, but only one for two, and in 21 minutes only. Obviously, this game, you know, he played less because the game was pretty much decided. But that being said, this dude Tibbs, I can't forget this, left Julius Randle in the game when they were down 26 points and he, like, got injured. Tibbs has a history with just overworking his players and just being weird and just being a little too militant. If he's actually hurt and he suffers in his play or doesn't play in game three, then, like, just there's no excuse for Tibbs, man. It was ridiculous to have him out there down 20. Quinton Grimes, he's been very quiet, in my opinion, in the first two games. I thought he did well enough defensively in the first game, but in this game, he gave nothing. Four points, three rebounds, two assists, three steals, 0 for 2 from the field, 0 for 2 from 3. All his points were foul shots, nothing there. As far as Emmanuel Quickly, the guy that I've had the favorite for sixth man of the year I picked, his field goal percentage looks good, but I don't remember those points at all. I don't think he's been very effective the first two games. 12 points, 4 for 8 from the field, 1 for 4 from deep. Three for four from the line. Just not much room IQ. Josh Hart, not a good game compared to the one he had the other day. Five points, four boards, two for three from the field, one for one from three in 27 minutes. He was a team worst minus 29. Uh, I don't think that says that he was the by far the worst player or anything like that. Just, I mean, he didn't have much success on the court. Let's put it that way. Isaiah Hartenstein, not much there either. Four points, seven rebounds, five assists. Remember, he had a nice and one in 27 minutes of play. He was two for six from the field. And then the other starters for the Knicks, the big three, so to speak. We got to have a conversation about R.J. Barrett. Fabian was right by saying that he maybe should be a sixth man for this team because he's not playing well enough to start right now. And I think they're going to leave him in the starting lineup because you don't want to take his confidence away, especially going back to New York. But this guy averages 20 points a game. He has played terribly in the first couple of games. He's not doing enough defensively to uh, make up for his shitty offense. He can't make shots. He has no bag still. And, I mean, he's just not scoring at all. He doesn't look confident. And right now, he's looking like the B word. Not the cuss word, the other word in, in reference to drafts. He's really looking like that. This is his fourth season. Come on. He's averaging 20 points. And first of all, averaging 20 points is not shooting that well. But at least get your 20 points. He ain't doing that. Right now, Josh Hart, I mean, he played better in game one. And Deuce McBride should get some of RJ's minutes. 14 points on 4 for 13 shooting. 0 for 3 from deep. 6 of his 14 points were at the foul line where he was good there. 6 for 7. And then Jalen Brunson, just not a good game for him. 20 points, but 9 of them were free throws. He was 9 for 10 from the line. He also had 5 rebounds, 6 assists, and 4 steals. Um, but the Knicks, by the way, were turning the ball over way too much. 17 turnovers, and the Cavs completely took advantage of them, just like the Knicks took advantage of their turnovers in Cleveland. It was the exact opposite. I mean, sorry, in game one. It was the exact opposite. Offensive glass, turnovers. That's what the Knicks won game one. That's what the Cavs won game two, and obviously the three-point shooting. Jalen Brunson, 
20 points, 5 boards, 6 assists, 4 steals on 5 for 17 shooting, so under 33%, 1 for 8 from deep, so just not a good night for Brunson. And then Julius Randle, 22 points, 8 boards, 6 turnovers, 8 for 20 from the field, so just 40%, 3 for 7 from 3, 3 for 3 from the line. He shot decently. I mean, 40% is not very good, actually, but it wasn't horrendous. I mean, shot better than Brunson, but he was just terrible. The six turnovers, going to need a lot better from everybody for that Knicks game, and I think that's just the worst game they're going to play all series. Uh, unless they're up 3-1, and then game five, they do the same shit, maybe, but that's it for me tonight, guys. Um, thanks for listening. There's going to be timestamps. If you only wanted to listen to one part of it, like if you only came from the Knicks side, it'll be there. Make sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts if you enjoyed And obviously, we'll be live again on Wednesday night after the Laker game. And then, of course, after the Minnesota-Denver game. I will be also talking about the Celtics-Hawks game, too. Probably not going to be able to talk about the Heat Bucks. But if you're lucky, maybe I'll just go live a little bit later. And I'll talk about every single game. And yes, I will be going to game three. And you will be getting a vlog, a playoff vlog. Section 208, I'll be in. Shout out to all my Clipper fans going. Please. If you do not lose your voice or have a change in your voice at the end of that game, you do not do enough, Clipper Nation. But I'll see you tomorrow night. And now I'm going to go to the live subscribers waiting patiently in the chat. Super Chats are turned on if you want to drop a dollar or a dime. Peace.